We are in our series in the book of Acts called Our Hearts Burn Within. And today we're talking about Christian friendship. Now, let me say this. We're talking about friendship, but let me say this about Christian friendship. Christian friendship gets to the essence of what friendship actually is more than any other belief system or any other religion. And anything else that falls short of Christian friendship, you will find wanting. You will find that something is missing and you will want something else and something more. And let me also say this. Most Christians do not transcend into Christian friendship. And it's helpful when we think of friendship to differentiate it between other types of love. So when you think of marriage love, you you think of two lovers and they're facing each other. Like they're little googly eyes over each other. They're in love and they're so special to each other and they're just looking at each other. They can't stop looking at each other. But when you think of friendship, friendships do not, friends don't look at each other, they look out toward a common vision, a common mission, a common goal. And, and you know this because you feel this deep down, because if there was any such thing as friendship counseling, it would be weird. There's marriage counseling, but if people go to friendship counseling, it's like you've missed something about, like you violated something about what it means to be friends, because, well, friends look out towards a mission. And as you do this, if there's some problems in the friendship, the the mission will work itself out. And the other thing about friendship type love is this is the first type of love to go, meaning you don't need it to survive. When when you have marriage love and people are like lovey-dovey towards each other, well, that brings life into the world. It's, It's needed for survival. And then parental love is needed because it sustains life. But with friendship love, it's, it's not needed, so it's the first to go. But it's like while marriage stuff or parent stuff is like the food that brings survival, friendship is the spice on the food. It's the butter on the bread, and it's the wine with the meal. And the ancients used to think of friendship as something sacred. And I think they're right. The Bible says that they're right, and, and, and here's why. Do you know that your marriages will mature in heaven into friendships? Marriage does not exist in heaven. Uh, We're married to Christ. And so your marriages here on the earth mature into friendships. Your relationship with your parents and your parents' relationship with you and your relationship with your kids, that matures into friendships in the heavens. It's eternal type stuff. And there was something that happened in the garden, where not only did we fall away from God and sin started plaguing humanity and separated from us, us from God, but it separated us from each other. And so Christ's project is to come and redeem friendship. Now we're going to be in Acts 20, and we're going to start at verse 26, and we're going to read through to chapter 21, verse 14. There'll be question and answer after the sermon like we've been doing. So if you have a question, you could text it in in the middle of the sermon, or my number will be on the screen uh, after the sermon's over, and we'll take uh, probably five to seven minutes and do a little bit of Q&A. So let me read to you. This is Acts 20. We're going to start at verse 36. And by the way, this is, this is like a travel log for Paul. And as Paul is going through his life, he's facing these trials and difficulties, and he's collecting friends along the way, these eternal type of friendships. So that's what we're going to read about. It says, And when he had said these things, 
he knelt down and prayed with them. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. He basically has just told them he's leaving for his death and he will never see them again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And when they had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and then landed in Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And though the Spirit, through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city, and kneeling down on the beach, we prayed. And they said farewell to one another. Then we went on the boat, board of the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemas. And we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And while we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When they heard this, we, the people there, urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. First question we're asking today is why is friendship important? And we've just seen this is a travel log of Paul. He's facing dangers on his missions and he's making friends along the way. And if you know Paul, if you went back to the beginning of when Paul became a Christian, he started off this mission as like a rugged individual. He really looked like he needed nobody. But as his life got closer to its end and he was facing death, he realized the importance of friends. They were a source of life to him. And so the question that you need to be asking is, are friendships essential for you in your life? And if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, everything that's made is good. It's all good, but then something is not good. Now, that man is alone. Now, I want you to just think about this. Adam walked with God in the cool of the garden. His quiet time with God was like perfect, unlike any of us have had. His relationship with God was exquisite, yet there was something wrong. He needed more than just God. Because God created him in a way that he needed friends. Now, this starts off in a marriage-type relationship, but then children are born, and those children are friends, and then we have a whole world of friends. So it's not good that man is alone. And this is, again, this is all before the fall. All before everything went wrong, mankind needed friendships. And I want to talk to the men real quick here. I want to tell you that we have this vision of what it means to be a man that we've been told. And that is to be like John Wayne, 
That is to be like this cowboy who, who rides off into the distance all alone with no one, a lone ranger. He can do it all alone because he's a man. Needs no one. But there are alternative stories that are more biblical. We take these epic stories of our day, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. You know what these stories are? They're stories of friendship. And more specifically, they're stories of people who are about to face something that is far bigger than they are. It's a mission that is beyond them. Yet they're courageous and they step forward into it. And when they do, they make some amazing friends along the way. And this is really what the Bible is saying. And let me just prove this to you. If you go back to the book of Acts in the beginning of it, we're told there are five traits of a church. And one of those traits is fellowship. And we have a problem with this word because we think of something like a fellowship hall where people are eating food, and that's nothing like what fellowship is. It's more like the Lord of the Rings story because the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia, which means community with a purpose, community with a mission, community with a goal, community with a vision, a community that is ready to face something dangerous for the sake of that mission, to sacrifice much, to suffer for the sake of this good thing that they are chasing after. And that's a problem if that's the trait of the church because it means that if there aren't friendships within a church, it's not really functioning like a church. So you think about that and then, okay, we have a problem today in the church because if there's a, there's a thing that happens where ex-gang members will say something like, I don't understand why I have become a Christian, I've entered into the church, and the community that I had outside of the church is greater than the community that I have inside of the church. Or you take people from sports teams. Great bonds are formed because they have this common vision and goal. But you don't find that in the church today. And, and the only logical conclusion would be that the church has then lost sight of her vision, of her mission, and her goal. We're missing something. Or we've kind of grown dull in it. Like the mission of the church and the vision is to bring heaven to earth. Like all the goodness of heaven down into the earth. And what we've exchanged that for is, well, we want the church to grow. We want to meet budget. Like, like let's just grow a little bit. Like, ugh. Like, we go from heaven coming down to the earth to trying to just survive. Who wants to fight for that? That's, that? That is a boring mission and a boring goal. So the church needs to adopt her goal again from the beginning. And, and I want to say something to you that you might not hear often in church in that it's this. God is discovered out there. Now, what I don't mean is I don't mean God is discovered in nature. Yes, you can discover God in nature, but here's, here's what I'm saying. God is discovered in the church here right now in this moment, like you're discovering him. You're meeting him, but then what, what, what is next is you travel out and follow Christ out there to bring heaven to earth. And when you are, dare I say, obedient to that, you encounter God out there. You meet Jesus out there in a way that you don't do here because, well, you're facing adversity. You're facing difficulties for the sake of bringing heaven to earth. In our discipleship groups that we have in our church, they exist for your growth, but they're like the huddle before the play. And the problem with the church today is the church is stuck in a huddle 
and we can't seem to get out of it. And we just keep existing for ourselves as opposed to existing to bring heaven down to earth. And so, so we, we end up avoiding this mission because it's easier to just avoid it because the mission is bigger than us. It's terrifying, in fact. Um, and then we also avoid friendships along the way. And there's a couple reasons we do that. First, we don't want to be hurt and we don't trust people. And, you, you know, you're, you're probably right in a lot of ways. There's a risk involved in friendship. And you may be hurt along the way. Um, there are people that have hurt me. There are people in the grove that have hurt me. But you know what? We had to be strong. And let me tell you why. So Jesus in John chapter 5 comes in on the scene and he says, Hey, humanity, I see you and I don't trust you. But I still love you. And even though I don't trust you, I'm going to live as if I do. C.S. Lewis says something similar to this. He says, love is risky. And if you want to protect your heart from the risk of love, there's a way. You take your heart, you place it in a coffin, you close that coffin, and now your heart will never be hurt. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. So to risk for love and friendship, there is a risk there. But if you don't, well... You now have an irredeemable heart, and that doesn't sound like such a good thing. So here's, here's another reason why you end up avoiding friendships. So, so men, if you have a bad relationship with your father, what that often means is that you won't trust other men, so you won't develop deep friendships with men. Women, if you have a bad relationship with your mother, often this turns into not trusting women, so then you don't have close friendships. Um, or... The opposite happens, and you try to redeem those friendships, but when you or redeem friendship and because of broken relationships in the past, but what you end up doing is you end up looking at the friend, and friendship becomes the goal, and then now this isn't the stuff of friendship, and it becomes unhealthy. So this is what we do, and um, it's risky, but you're going to have to learn how to forgive people. In fact, that's in the Lord's Prayer, like Forgive us as we forgive each other. Um, you got to get good at forgiving people if you want friends. And I don't know if you know this about yourself, but at your core, what you really want is to be known and loved. And what you are terrified is being known and rejected. And it's not just that you need to be known and loved by God. And it's not just that you need to be known and loved by a spouse, but you need to be known and loved by a friend or friends. And, and the other reason friendships are important is because they refine you. So Paul is having this, like he's having some friction with his friends because Paul wants to go to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to die there, but he wants to go. And his friends are saying, no, don't go. And they're kind of fighting it out. And in the end, Paul's just going to go. And so they say, let God's will be done. But they're, they're refining each other because they're fighting it out. They've got some different opinions on life. And what should be happening. And the other reason friendships are important is because they are a resistance project. Meaning this, if you take two guys who are up to no good, three guys, four guys who are up to no good, they are going to become a resistance project to what is good. But if you take two, three, four guys, five guys that are seeking to bring heaven to earth, well, then you have a resistance project against what is evil. And that's a good thing. That's why they're important. 
And when that happens, Paul says, or Luke says in our verses, that when these friendships are, are broken apart, it feels like they're being torn. Paul is leaving them, and it feels like, like a, an arm is being ripped from the body. There's a, there is a bond that is formed here that is eternal. And so, so, so here's what's happening. If you are a Christian, you have, it's like the door has opened to eternity, and you have looked in, and now you can bring eternal things into time. Right? That's pretty cool. And then you find other Christians who are also seeking to do the same thing. And you're like, oh, you too? And so, well, look, you've got a common vision and a common goal. And then a bond forms that is eternal that binds you to one another. Like there's, a, there's, there's something, like some type of source in you that's binding you to each other. So we got to understand what this is. So I want to tell you how this happens. And, and this, is, this is starting to get to the essence of what Christian friendship is. Because with earthly friendships, you can have a common vision, but it's not something eternal. Christian friendships is eternal. So here's how it happens. The Christian meets Christ. He's the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ. And so this Christian is like, oh, I'm a hand. And the Christian meets another Christian who is also a hand. And all right, well, cool. We're, we're like, we're wired the same. We're going to have the same purpose. So you take two creative people and you bring them together. They're going to make some amazing creative stuff. You take two great business leaders. They're going to be able to accomplish some amazing things perhaps. Well, but the problem with hands is they need some feet to get moving somewhere. So then another Christian comes along and they're more of like the feet type people and they get things moving. All right, well, this is pretty cool. So what it means is you need a diverse group of friends. There might be a stronger bond to people who are like you, but you still need a diverse group of friendships. All right, so we're still not fully into eternal things yet. Then what happens is when you have this mission that is eternal, the Holy Spirit, it says, dwells in the Christian. Now, this is, this is blow your mind type stuff, but the Holy Spirit's dwelling in you. And then the Holy Spirit in me is drawn to the Holy Spirit in you because the Holy Spirit is one. And so the Holy Spirit wants to be joined together as one. And, well, let me just say it from our verses. There's a, there's a thing that seems strange in our verses. In fact, a lot of people would say that's proof that the, you can't trust the Bible. And what it says is Paul says the Holy Spirit has told him to go to Jerusalem. And Paul's friend said, the Holy Spirit has told us, Paul, to stop you from going to Jerusalem. Well, so who's right? Well, they both are. If you don't think they're both right, your mind is too small here. You have to expand your mind and understand this is eternal stuff, divine things happening. So what's happening is the Holy Spirit is in, is in all of them. And the Holy Spirit knows that the will of God is to go to Jerusalem for Paul, and Paul's going to die there. But the Holy Spirit also longs to to be with Paul and the Holy Spirit in Paul all together. And when, when they are torn apart, it's like this divine breaking that happens. It's mysterious stuff. It's like eternal friendship type stuff. And while this bond is eternal, there are different qualities of friends on the earth. And there's two, two ways to kind of see a good quality of a friend. And the first thing is, it's you. So your character. What kind of friend are you? If you're like, oh, I don't have good friends. Well, maybe you're not a good friend. So it's, it's a little bit like, it's, it's 
maybe trying to refine you a bit. But then the second part of a quality friendship is you have the same vision, and it's a big one. It's to bring heaven to earth. And so while we think about that, quality friendships, there's some mistakes we make. First mistake is we make friendship the goal. We kind of talked about, sorry, you make friendship the goal, well then this is not what friendships are made of. And so you have to turn out toward a common vision or mission or goal. The second mistake is we make people a project. Friends don't make friends projects. Now maybe that's a leadership type thing. So if, if, if a leader is saying, I'm really seeking the transformation of that person, that's not friendship, that's leadership. And there's a place for that. But understand, friendship faces out towards a common goal. And they're racing together to accomplish that goal. And the third mistake is we get the goal wrong. We're aiming in the wrong place. Now, this one's going to be complicated. And so I need like five minutes of the most intense attention you could possibly give me. All right? So the wrong goal. The goal of Christianity... Well, uh, our culture says your goal is to figure out who you are. That's a good goal to have. The problem becomes where are you going to find it? Where Christianity says who you are and your worth is found in Christ, your identity is in Christ, the world says look within to find out who you are. Now, I want you to know this. Never before in the history of the world have people looked within themselves to figure out who they are. And that sounds crazy to you because your first instinct when you think who I am I is to look within. And that's how much we have been shaped by the culture we are in. And so let me tell you, here's what happens to friendships when you do this. You look within to figure out who you are. And whatever you find there, you're like, well, this is my identity. And the world has been encouraging you to be your authentic self. So you take what you find here and you put it out to the world. And because the world has been saying to you, be your authentic self, whatever you find in here you put out, the world has to accept. But that's not really going to make friendships. What's going to make friendships in this scenario is you find other people who have looked within and have found the same thing that you have found. Now, what that's going to do to friendships is it means everybody's going to look the same, act the same, be the same. Whereas Christianity, when Christ is your identity and your goal, it produces a very diverse group of people. But if you're looking within to find out who you are, you're going to have to find other people just like you. There's, the problem in the past was you could not do that because there's nobody probably like you that lives in our area, right? But if you're, it, it, let's say for me, for example, so I'm a 40-year-old uh, Presbyterian pastor of a church filled with people who have no idea what Presbyterian means or even how to spell it. And we're... We're, I'm, a, I'm a little bit like, I, I like to like stir the pot a little bit and things, which is kind of maybe rare for a Presbyterian pastor. And then we're a church of believers and skeptics who, are th- who want to have authentic community and honest conversations about faith and doubt. And um, I've, I've got four kids, and um, one of them has some disabilities. Okay, so I want to find someone just like that. And that will not exist here. But you know where it might? Online. I could have an online friend that's just like me. That'd be pretty cool. And then what would happen is because we're the same, and if we had some ideas and we're like, yeah, this is right, and other people said, no, you shouldn't have those ideas, well, then what happens is because we're huddled up, we say, look at those people out there not agreeing with us. They're villains, and we're the victims of them. And so we're going to champion the cause of being who we are 
for our sake, for the mission's sake, because this is what we found. This was the mission, and we're going to fight for it. And anybody that fights against us is our enemy. Okay. I, to, to prepare for all of this, I read the, a book called Ready Player One. The, the premise of this book is there are a bunch of people who don't like their life, and so they have, they have entered into a virtual reality, like a metaverse, and they have searched within to find out who they are, and they can create a character in this world that is just like whatever they find in, in their heart. And then what ends up happening is they have relationships with people who aren't real, like not in the real world at least. And the, the moral of the story is you have to develop some friendships outside of this pretend world. And the way they do it is they find a common mission in a world that is not their home. Right, sound familiar? And in doing that, they then meet each other in the real world. This is kind of like what the Christian experience is, except I would say that our identity is formed in Christ. The most relevant thing about the future of our church, the church in general in America, will be diverse local friendships, right? That seems kind of far off, but right now, I'm telling you right now, it's already affecting us. Like our, our friendships are getting further away, meaning they're less face-to-face, they're less in person, and it's needed. And so the relevance of the church will be face-to-face friendships that are, are diverse, And if you look at Paul's life, and there's going to be some suffering along the way, right? Because we have a mission that's so big that we're willing to suffer for it. And this is a conflict for us because we want a safe, comfortable life. And what Christianity promises you is fight for heaven on earth. And if you do, there's going to be suffering along the way, but it's going to be worth it. And you're going to make some friends along the way. And that very thing happens to Paul. Because look at what happens to Paul in his life. He faces bandits as he's crossing over mountains. He's crossing over dangerous rivers. He is shipwrecked three times. He, be- he becomes lost out at sea. He has sleepless nights. He goes hungry and thirsty. He's almost naked. He is stoned multiple times, imprisoned multiple times, and he makes some amazing friends along the way because he's seeking heaven on the earth, and he's got a cause that is so big he's willing to fight and even die for it. And that's the scenario where you have eternal friendships. And the question now you have to ask is, where are you going to get the courage to live that way? Because it's not in you. You don't want it. You want an easy, comfortable, nice life. So where are you going to get it? This is our third point. How do you get these friendships? You have to see that the triune God has made you his mission. He's made you his mission. You're made in the image of God, and it's not good that you are alone, which means that God for all of eternity has not been alone. It's been the Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect community and perfect friendship. It's been said by theologians that the Father and Son, their love for each other is so strong, this cord of love is, is so glorious that is another person called the Holy Spirit. And what, here's what happens to Christ on the cross. When he is on the cross... He is ripped from this relationship, torn from this relationship. On the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he is forsaken because we have forsaken God. 
And what we deserve is to be forsaken. We, we deserve to be lost out at sea, never to be found again, alone, wandering a trackless sea forever. Yet Christ becomes that. He loses th- this perfect friendship with the Father and the Spirit. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he experiences cosmic loneliness. And it's in that moment that he is thrown down, plunges down into the darkness of death, death and hell. And there, in death and hell, cosmic loneliness, the bond is reforged. And the Father raises him up from the dead. And when he does, he brings us with him. And we are brought into this beautiful triune relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you want to think about something majestic and glorious, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all glorifying each other. And then you get swept up into this grand Trinitarian dance of glory. And you're part of it. All of you, not just you by yourself, but bound one another with your friends for all of eternity. That is what awaits you. And that means... That when Christ is ripped from his father, you can know that whenever this life, when, it, when, it, when circumstances rip you from your friends, by death or by separation somehow, that there's going to come a day when you are dining in the halls of glory. And there's the best food and there's the best wine and laughter is erupting from this table. There's great joy. There's great peace. There's no more hurting, death or pain. And at that table, you sit there with your friends. Christ died and rose to make us friends. The story of Christianity is a story of friendship. And if you'll be so bold as to go out on this Christian adventure... You're going to make some amazing friends along the way that will last for all of eternity. Let's pray. God, teach us to be good friends to one another. Teach us how to forgive each other. Teach us how to long for this, to know that it's good and it's right. And when we would rather just not have friends... Let the mission to bring heaven and earth force us to a place to where we say, if this is going to happen, I've got to have some friends because I can't do this on my own. So help us be bold in facing something that's bigger than us and rely on you and together bring heaven on earth right beside our friends. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to see if we have any questions come in. You guys always do this to me. Make me stand up here awkward waiting for, for these texts to come in. You call yourself friends, but look at what you're doing to me right now. So, um, and I know this is, this is a topic that's, um, I don't know, maybe hard to hear, maybe good to hear. So I'm sure that there's some questions, and I'm sure they're going to come in soon. And when they do, I will answer them the best that I can. And let me say this as we're waiting for questions to come in. There is something good and sweet about finding people who are going through the same thing you're going through. And that will bind you to those people. Like, that's a good thing. Um, But if it's just that thing, 
then you're going you're gonna to eventually lose that friendship because it's not eternal. You need something bigger, something more glorious. All right, we got a question. Paul had such an extreme existence, starvation, mugging, etc. What if my life isn't that wild or extreme? That has placed me to rely on that has placed me to rely on friends. So, in other words, if I don't have to rely on friends because my life isn't as hard, what does that mean? Well, let me say something about suffering and difficulties real quick. There's two things to this. First question is, are you actually really seeking to bring heaven to earth? Um, are you joyfully suffering to bring the kingdom of God? Like, well, that sounds weird. But, well, yeah, but, but you think about this. Like, with anything that you love, you're willing to suffer a bit to bring it. And when you have found something so amazing as eternity and God and Christ, your capacity to suffer has increased. Okay, right? So you've got that. First question is, actually, are you actually engaged in the mission to bring heaven to earth? Then the second thing is, when we think about Paul's suffering, you have to understand everybody has a different capacity for suffering depending on what you've gone through. So if selfmen have suffered up to here, when they suffer here, it doesn't feel like such a big deal. But if somebody has only suffered up to here, then it's going to feel as painful as it will be for the person up here. So um, if like someone is complaining a lot in your life and it's like, well, why are you complaining? Well, this is not such a big deal. Well, it might be a big deal for them because maybe they haven't suffered as much as you have. So you just bring yourself to where they are and you understand and hear their suffering. So, um, but the point behind the suffering isn't like suffering for suffering's sake and relying on people because you're suffering, but you're suffering because you're seeking to bring heaven to earth. And I think that's the important part. Um, How do you forgive a friend who abandoned you in a time of need and hasn't spoken to you since? Well, so there's a difference between, and this is a good question, because there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So the question is, um, has forgiveness happened on your part? And if it hasn't, it's going to be worse for you than for your friend. Because when you can't forgive somebody, one, the, the Bible verse says, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Meaning, if you can't forgive people, you might not really know that you've been forgiven. So your answer is to see, okay, well, God has been perfect to me, and I have not been to him. He has every right to leave me, but he hasn't. And he's forgiven me, so that gives me the capacity to forgive others. So you have forgiveness there. But the reconciliation part is different, because if, if your friend does not care to talk to you anymore, well, then that's not reconciliation is impossible. Or maybe there's a slight reconciliation. Maybe it can't be like it was before, but it can be something. Um, I think that there's, this is a, a good way that I think there to live, is to have high expectations of people, but also to have high grace. And if you, if you can't have high grace and you've got these high expectations, you're always going to be let down. But if you have high expectations with high grace, when you're let down, you can forgive. And, and then also, it's like you're elevating people to, to a higher standard. Because, well, 
if we're talking about eternal things and bringing heaven to earth, and God says we're capable of this, well, then let's live like we're capable of it. And we mess up. It's like, ah, oh, you know what? I messed up again. I'm really sorry. You're really sorry. Let's get back to bringing heaven to earth again. All right, let's see if we can do one more. Uh, you mentioned the idea that marriage matures into an eternal friendship in the new creation. What are you basing that on? Um, the whole trajectory of humanity is that um, in the future, um, when we are eternal, we're neither male nor female. Um, and and it, we have become something where Christ is our, our groom and we are his bride. Everything is leading up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, that doesn't mean that your friend, like the friendship that you have with your spouse, it doesn't mean that that might be the closest friendship you have in eternity, but it's, it's friendship. Like, it's, there's not going to be the stuff that's happening between a husband and a wife, like in the bedroom, where like that doesn't happen in eternity because you're living in an eternal uh, ecstasy or like... Um, well, I, I need to be careful. I should be appropriate here. So, but um, in other words, there is a divine pleasure that keeps going on and on for all of eternity. Um, and we're not making new babies either in um, eternity. Like, this is us. Whatever, wh- whoever is born here on the earth is, is who lives on and there's no more. Because... Um, we haven't been married now to the groom of Christ, and he is enough, and the friendships will live on between husband and wife. Now, maybe that's a special type of friendship, um, but it's a friendship. That's, so that's what I'm basing that on. Now, you could bring a, a biblical argument against that, and that would be fine. We could get some coffee and talk about it more. So there's a lot more questions that came in. Um, for the sake of time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to text you guys um, later on today. So... You should get that later today, um, tonight, or maybe tomorrow. All right, let me pray again. The band's going to come up, and we're going to sing. Father, I pray that you would help us make sense of this, help us make sense of what it means to be friends on the earth, um, pilgrims, travelers together toward eternity. Um, Help us cling to one another in need. Um, And keep our eyes set on you, our vision, mission, and prize. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. Like us on your favorite podcast provider. Follow our social media at Grove Church PSL. And check out our website, thegrovechurch.co.